The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Folks, it's good to see you in the house of God. You know what? There was uh, a time quite a few years ago when there was a man who was crucified on the cross, raised up between two other criminals. His name was Jesus Christ. He was crucified and he died. And his followers, when looking at him and what had happened, were devastated. The saviour of the world had died. And for them, they were concerned. This was their hope. This was the man that they had put their trust in. The man that they had been following for three years. The man who had turned Jerusalem, turned Israel upside down with his preaching and his teaching. But he was dead. They know that he was dead because a soldier pierced his side and out came blood and water. They didn't have to break his legs as they broke the legs of the two criminals beside him because they knew he was dead. Later that evening, he was taken down from a cross. He was wrapped in a cloth and he was placed in a tomb. And people were somber because the saviour of the world had died. But on the third day, people went to the tomb to go and put spices, to put ointment upon the body that as it decayed, it wouldn't smell bad. But when they got to the tomb, the stone had been rolled away. They went into the tomb, there was no body. There was an angel declaring, he is risen, just as he said he would. And you know for us, There is sadness in the death of Jesus, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again from the dead because he triumphed over the powers of sin and death. And for us, we have to take confidence in this fact. Our God is not dead. He is alive and he is able to help us today. The reason that we are here today is not because of our perfections, but because of our imperfections. We are here because we have been taken out of darkness, a place of captivity, a place of negativity, a place of enmity towards God. We have been taken out of that place and we have been brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ and he has given us a new hope, a new future. He has made us more than conquerors through him who has saved us. This is the power of the cross. And it is the power of the cross that we need to remember, that we need to live in. Because it is through the death of Jesus and his resurrection that we overcome day by day. When you go away from here, you go back to live what you might call as normal life. 
although this is normal life even in here. But you go back to live with all of the pressures and the things around you, the things that press in against you, the things that upset you, the thing that, things that seem to bring you down. But you need to remember in those times, our Jesus did not stay in the tomb. He overcame the powers that were against him. And in Jesus Christ, you are more than a conqueror and you are able to overcome in him and through him. Father, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you because it's all about you, Jesus. You are the one who has died for us that we may know the power of your life coming into us, filling us and overflowing through us. We thank you for all that you have done and we would pray this day, minister that power into our lives. We pray for awakened hearts. We pray for illuminated minds. We ask for the presence and power of your Holy Spirit to rain down upon us as we share together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. This week we are starting point two, or second session of our series. And our series is this. It's ID, who I am in Christ. What is my identity now that I am in Christ Jesus? Last week we were looking at the subject of being accepted. The fact that we are accepted before God, we are not rejected. If you remember last week I was talking of the fact that God wanted us. He wanted us. He wants us to be part of his family. He wants us to belong to him. We're not rejected. We are accepted in Jesus Christ. This week, we want to take that a stage further. We have been accepted by God. He has drawn us in. Every, every person here, every person here, whether you are a Christian or you are not a Christian, I declare to you, you are not an accident. You were made by God and for him. He has a purpose for your life. He knows all about you. He knows your history. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. He knows everything about you. He chose you. He has made you. And he is for you. If you think of nothing else or go away with nothing else this morning, know this, you are not an accident and you are loved by Almighty God. It's a statement of truth. God loves you. He accepts you. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. This week, we, that's acceptance. This week we want to look at security. As Christians, we need to find our security in God. Let me just repeat that. As Christians, we need to find our security in God. Now why do I say that? A key to us understanding this issue of security is learning for us to learn to relate to what is eternal rather than what is temporal. Now, what I'm, talk what I'm talking about is this. The things that last forever rather than the things that are just here for a few minutes. We tend to live our lives very much for the few minutes, for the next little fix, for the next bit of joy, the next bit of fun that we can have, whether it's a relationship or a cup of coffee or a piece of cake or something like that. We're living for the next little thing. Those are temporal things. They will pass away, just as each one of us will pass away. Sorry about that. I don't want to shock anybody, but I think it's a known fact, so that's okay. 
When we're talking about having security in God, we're looking for eternal things. Now, it is difficult for us to understand eternal. What does eternal mean? It means that it always has been, always will be, and continues forever. Unlike your bank account. (laughs) Or if your wife has taken out your credit card, unlike your credit balance. It won't last forever. God is eternal. He lasts forever. And we're talking about security, and for us to really find security, we need to be looking at things that are eternal, not things that are temporal. But of course, as humans, we do look to the temporal things. But you know, God is going to do something. And indeed, we would understand this is happening even in this day and age. God is going to shake. He's going to shake everything that can be shaken because he wants us to find the things that are unshakable the things that we can really trust in, the things that we can really rely upon. Let me put this scripture up, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verses 26 to 28, and it reads like this. At that time, his voice shook the earth, and he was, the writer here is referring back to a time when the law came, and God, when he spoke the law, it, it was shaking the mountains around. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised... Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. So what God is saying is in... There's going to come a time when he is going to shake everything, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And the only thing that can't be shaken is the things of his kingdom, because his kingdom, it cannot be shaken. And we see this when we look around, because of all the things that are happening. You've only got to look at the press over the last two weeks. Has anything in the world been shaken recently? Yes. And what does that shaking do? It causes people to feel that they're being shaken. It causes them to be uncertain. Let's face facts. Even us, we feel uncertain sometimes. You're reading about what's happened in the tube on this last Friday. You know, am I going to be all right traveling on Monday? Well, praise God, we believe that God is watching over every circumstance. But you read of these things and suddenly you think like, right, that's it, I'm not going on the tube anymore. Why? Because you are feeling the shakings. The shakings that come. You're worried about the next named storm that could come even against England. We had a storm that came across Wales uh, and uh, Ireland this week, and that was causing problems here. It wasn't anything like the intensity of what they received in Florida or in Texas. But nevertheless, it starts you to feel shakings. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, so that what cannot be shaken will be established and can remain. That is what God has said. But you see, as human beings, we're not looking always to the eternal. We need to. As Christians, we need to be looking to God to find our security. But often, we're not looking to God. We're looking to other things. What sorts of other things? Well, where I live. I mean, this has been shaken just recently, as I've said. People are are, are secure in the fact that they live in Bromley, or the fact that they may live in Florida, or the fact that they may live in Texas. They feel secure. This is the right place. I feel happy here. I feel at home here. This is where I belong. I feel secure here. 
And yet suddenly last week, all of that security is blown out the window. Not only is it blown out the window, your house has been blown out. It's not funny because it's like, wow, I had security in the place where I was living and now it's been shaken and I suddenly feel insecure. You see, we place our security in the places where we live. But not only that, we place our security in the finances that we have. The Word of God tells us not to do that. It says, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. But we feel with the abundance of possessions and money in a bank account, then we feel at rest and secure. Because if something happens, I've got resources to deal with it. I'm therefore better off than the person who hasn't got anything. And we invest security in finances. So we find, well, as long as I've got £1,000 in the bank, everything's going to be all right. But is that really true? Well, you find a shaking can come that suddenly the car tires need replacing or the boiler needs replacing. That thousand pounds can go like that. Where's your security then? We're rushing after things, temporal things, to find our security, whether it be where we live or in the finances that we have or the finances that we don't have. There's something incredibly freeing, I've noticed, with some of the, the people who are, uh, are homeless, people who literally just have a bag, who come to our front door here. They've just got a bag with a few possessions in. Some of them have even lost the bag. They just arrive in what they're wearing. But you know, sometimes when you speak to these people, there's an incredible freedom in that not having things that allows them to sometimes be released from the things that we sometimes get bound up with. Because we've got so much to keep going. Mortgages to pay, cars to pay, this to pay, that to pay. We've got to keep going, got to earn more. Got to, and we get all of ourselves and our lives thrown into that. But it doesn't bring us security. We look for security in many places. There's many things we could say. We look for security in relationships. And you know, it's good that we look for security in relationships because God has said it's not good for man to be alone. He wants people to be married and have the security of a marriage, and then to have children in the security of a family. But we see family life, marriages being shaken all over the place, being broken up, and people find that they have relationships, but they find there's no real security in those relationships. And even as Christians, we could be trusting, and we bless God that he gives us good marriages and good families, but it's not in our husbands or our wives or our children that we need to find our security. Our security needs to be in God, the eternal one, not in the temporal things. Because you know what? We will pass away, as I've said. And those relationships will naturally come to an end. But we put so much trust in them. And we could mention other things, whether it be education and things like that. We're putting our confidence, as long as I get a good education... And we recognize that good education is right. But you know what? Good education only provides you with a temporal security. A temporal security. We need to put our security in God himself. We need to put our security and find our security in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What is a kingdom? A kingdom is a place where there is a ruler so when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're talking about the place where God himself is the ruler of that territory, that kingdom, that area of his authority. And we want to be in that place. 
Because when we're in the domain of God's authority, where God's rules are being worked out, where his life is being followed, then you are in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So though the shakings may come around you, there is security to be found in that kingdom. What are you anchoring your life upon? Now, I mean, I know we're going to say, oh, Jesus, you know. There's lots of lovely answers that we can give, and it's, it's obviously right, we want to have our security in God. But in truth, how many other things do we here put our security in? How many other things are we looking to and hoping for? How many of us really are thinking like, well, actually, I, I am glad I've got some money in the bank because then at least things are going to be okay? Because we do. The point isn't that these are all outside of us and oh we're so holy and we've got over all of that it's rubbish we're locked into those things these are the things that affect our day-to-day lives the things that we chase after and run after to find our security in what is it that you are putting your security in God wants us to have our security in his kingdom so that when shakings come we will not be shaken but we will stand firm but how do we connect to this kingdom, the kingdom of God. There was a man called Nicodemus who was trying to find out similar questions from Jesus himself. And Jesus told him this, I tell you the truth, no one, listen to this, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You can't see this kingdom. You can't get to that place of eternal security unless you are born again. And because people may say, well, no one can see the kingdom, well, that's only looking at it. Listen, Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth, no one can enter this kingdom unless he is born of water and born of the Spirit. We need to come alive in Jesus. That man who died on the cross but did not stay dead but overcame and rose from the grave, we need to put our trust in him that we may enter that kingdom. We need to be born again. We need to start our lives over again. Let me ask you this question this morning, especially if you are saying you are a Christian. Do you know that you have been born again? Do you know that you have been saved? And this is what we want to look at this morning with our first point. Finding security in salvation. And then that subtitle, Listen, my sin is forgiven. We need to find security in the fact that we are saved. Because people say, well, well I am a Christian, but, but my life seems to be wandering all over the place. God wants you to know this, that you have been saved, that you are living for him, and that you are secure in him. He wants you to be able to declare, my sin has been forgiven. And you know what? All of us want to say, like, yes. But even as Christians, there's something that sort of seems to suck away the great roar of yes that may go up. Because we think, well, I know that my sin has been forgiven, but, and I can understand maybe that there was a time when I trusted Jesus and all the wrong things up until that point got cleansed. But since that time, I've noticed that there are still things that I do wrong. So it's like I can sort of accept the fact that I have sinned, But the problem that I continue to sin seems to disturb me in terms of my security in the fact that God has forgiven my sin. Am I relating to you? Do you understand what I'm talking about? 
because it's important. We want to look at, I want to look at this with you this morning so that we come to a greater understanding of what Jesus has done for us so that we can have confidence in the fact that we are saved. Not ifs and buts and maybe or hope so or maybe I'm going to make it, but to know that the salvation that we have has cleansed us from our sins and has brought us into a new relationship with God. And we will look, hopefully, if we, we've got enough time. Well, we'll be here till two o'clock, but that'll be all right. No, I just... Oh, Valeria will be here till two o'clock. But the rest of you, you may have gone at that point. Uh, listen, John chapter 5, verse 24. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Doesn't that scripture give us hope? Anyone who is coming to Jesus and believes in him, he has crossed over from death to life. And we want to know that we have crossed over from death to life. Romans 3.23, we are made right with God. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It is by faith that we are saved. The activity of faith, not the activity of money, not the passing over of money and saying, quick, quick, can I buy this? What do I have to do to earn this? It's by faith. I am trusting. I am trusting that what Jesus has done is sufficient for me. Listen, when we're talking about Jesus, Jesus was a human being, but he was also almighty God. I know it's a bit confusing. Human being, almighty God, the two are together, indivisible, and yet he is completely human, and yet he is completely God. What is God like? God is spirit. So you've got spirit and all of the things that are unseen, also wrapped up in human and all of the things that can be seen and can be touched and can be felt. We've got to get to grips with this in our minds. We understand human. We understand touch. We understand the things that we can get hold of. Spirit, we sort of understand it. We sort of give our minds to it, but we can't really grasp it as a reality. Particularly, I'm speaking of us from the Western world. We want to, but we find it a bit difficult. It's important that we understand both. Spiritual realm is real. Physical realm is real. The greatest reality is the spiritual realm because that existed first, and from that realm, the physical realm was created, okay? If I've lost you, just start waving at me. And you can stay till three o'clock and we'll catch up with that. No, I'm only joking. You see, the Bible says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. That means that nobody can come after you and start to get hold of you and say you've done wrong because there's no condemnation. You have been completely freed. Now, how do we work that out? The Old Testament way uh, of sacrifices and finding forgiveness, if you read the Old Testament in the Bible here, you'll find a lot about animal sacrifices. And in the old days, the the Israelites were taught that if you offer a sacrifice, a lamb, that was alive is killed and its life is given and you burn that lamb on the altar, then you find forgiveness of sins. But the trouble with that system was this, is every time you sinned, you needed to come up with another sacrifice. 
And indeed, one of the inefficiencies, if I use that word, of the system was this, that, that actually the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away our sin. So, in the early days of the church, uh, of, of the Israelites, there was a real problem. You wanted to get right with God because you recognized you'd done wrong. And it could have been all sorts of things, whether you'd stolen something. You come to that point, you say, like, this is wrong. And I need to get right with God. How can I get right with God? You need to bring a sacrifice. So you bring that sacrifice, and then, okay, you're back into relationship with God as, until something else happens. Because then something else happens, and you fall out of relationship. So we see in the early part of the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, the method of getting right with God, was that every time you sinned, you needed to come and bring another sacrifice. That was expensive. Just imagine if you just bought a lamb, and then you went back the next week, and you fell into the same sin. Right, it's another sheep, and another sheep. And you think, I can't keep affording to buy all these sheep. But that's the way that you got right. Now, when Jesus came, when Jesus came, he gave his life, listen to this, once for all. Once for all. There is no longer the necessity to keep going back. You never hear about the fact of, oh, we crucified Jesus, but you know what, next week he's going to be done again. This doesn't happen. Because Jesus died once and for all time for our sin. Romans 6 verse 10 says this, The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So he died once for all, for all sin. And in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says this, God made him who had no sin to be made sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The sacrifice of Jesus is far abundantly better than the sacrifice of any sheep or cow or animal like that. The sacrifice of Jesus was sufficient to deal with sin, past, present, and future. It's not a case of us running. Now, we love that. I love the idea of that. There is one problem. Why is it not resonating deep in my heart? Why am I not, and every one of us, saying, yes! You see, but there's something that is holding us. Do you see that? Something that is bringing us down. Something that we can't quite believe how wonderful this is. What is it? It's this fact, I believe. The fact that we recognize that we have sinned and we needed that to be forgiven. But regretfully, we keep finding that we still sin. And therefore, we feel condemned. You see, I knew cleansing from Jesus when I was first saved. But I recognize I keep walking in ways. I, there are th times when I have lied. There are times when I haven't forgiven somebody. There are times when that person winds me up and I get cross with them. There are times when I lose my temper. Therefore, I am still a sinner and I'm not worthy of that sacrifice that Jesus made. That is a lie that is being brought to you by the enemy. You know what? When we sin, after we've become Christians, when we sin, what we're showing is that there is still some life in our old flesh. When we sin, we are, the Bible declares, slaves to sin. 
It just shows there is an enslavement. It shows there is a captivity. There is something that is still holding us and binding us in that place. We recognize that Jesus is perfect. And we recognize that Jesus has paid the price for our sin. Well, he's paid the price for everybody else's sin. But when it comes to mine, I find that I still seem to be living in some of the things that I know are wrong. And therefore, I feel rotten. Therefore, I I do feel condemned. Therefore, I find that scriptures, that though I read them and they bring me encouragement, I look at my life and I feel this is not good. Now, how do we deal with these things? I'll tell you that what's going on in my mind is this. This is way off what we've got here. Not way off, but it's not in order. So I'm just having to bring myself into line. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for your word, O oh God, to come with clarity and with understanding. Lord, protect your word. Protect your word. For, Father, we want to have a foundation that brings us life. A Father, that gives us victory because you want us to have victory. So, Father, we pray for the clarity of your word to come to our hearts. We pray that you'd unlock its truth to our minds. Holy Spirit, take of the things of Jesus and make them known to us. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The enemy... This is Satan, the one who is a sinner, the one who promotes sin in us, the one who caused us as human beings to fall into sin in the first place. He wants to hold us in bondage, and he does that by our sins. So even though we become new creations in Christ, and we are forgiven of our sins and made righteous, there is still parts of our life where we still are in bondage. We're still going back to our old ways. So... Before you became a Christian, there were things you used to do. I know they're not quite right, but, you know. Then you find you meet with Jesus, and you wow. Jesus is the one who can give me a kingdom that is unshakable, and I want to go for that kingdom. What is the price of me entering that kingdom? The price of me entering that kingdom is to trust in him alone for my salvation. And to start living to the rules and the regulations of that kingdom. And can I just say, this kingdom is not the United Kingdom. This kingdom is not the USA or France or anything else. It's not those kingdoms. This is a kingdom that is not of this world. It is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of where God is. And in that kingdom, he wants his rules. His rules are things like no adultery. His rules are no stealing. His rules are no lying. His rules are forgiving, forgiving others when they have done wrong against you. They're rules of his kingdom. That's what happens in his kingdom. And when we're living in his kingdom according to his rules, you know what? There is peace, there is joy, there is love. There is security in that kingdom. And when we got saved, we were taken out of the kingdom of darkness which rules over the United Kingdom and the United States and France and those other places. We came out of that into the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. But you see, when we still sin, because there's a tendency for us, because we are being renewed, there's a tendency for us to, to fall back into our old ways. In any case, Satan, this unseen one, he comes to tempt us and to speak to us. And he comes to tell us, listen, you're feeling a bit down today. Listen, what you need is a bit of this. And you think, because you've read in the Bible, that's not a good thing to do, but somehow you become attracted to it because it still has its roots within you because those roots have never been dealt with. 
And so you go back and you follow those old ways and you fall back into sin. Now when we sin, we can confess our sin and it says that he, that is Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because he wants relationship with us. But nevertheless, when we sin, we feel condemned. We feel wrong, we feel dirtied, we feel solid, we feel, we feel blackened, we feel whatever phrase you want to put on it, there's something that seems to be taking us away from the presence of our God and with relationship with him. That's because Satan wants to use these ways to hold you captive. He wants to hold you. He wants you not to actually seek God for overcoming power, but he wants you to stay in the ways that you have lived in all the time. The same old routines. And you know, sometimes you think, like, I want to get away from this, I, I, but I just can't seem to. And so you fall back into those old ways again and again and again. Jesus came to forgive you. Jesus came to give you power to overcome. I said that when he rose from the dead, he triumphed over the powers of darkness. There is victory in the name of Jesus to overcome those things that hold you down. And even now, for some of you, you will be thinking of those things and there will be a voice in your mind, even now, that is saying, well, I don't think that's true. I don't think you need to listen to that. Because you see, the powers of darkness in the spiritual realm are seeking to speak to us and to control us and to keep us in a place where we are not fulfilled, where we are not triumphing over the enemy, as God has said we can. And we feel defeated. And that defeat comes upon our souls. That defeat holds us down. That defeat makes us feel insecure. But God doesn't want us to be insecure. He wants us to know that Jesus has paid the price for us. And it's not just by listening to these things about what Jesus has done on the cross. There's another doctrine that comes... There's another doctrine, and I'll explain what I mean by that. There's another understanding that comes through Scripture... It's not only that Jesus has died for us, but he says when he died for us, he reconciled us to God. Do you not understand what reconciliation is? When we have two nations that are at war and they come to peace, we would say those nations have been reconciled. We want to understand that on a big picture thing. But you know what? When you fall out with a friend at university or school or work or something, you know like you were getting on with them, you have an argument, and then, oh, they send you a text and you think, oh, I, don't know what I, I don't want to reply to it. You know that, and then eventually you do meet them and have a coffee and you talk it through and, yes, okay. That's reconciliation. It's getting back to the place of complete harmony and togetherness that you had before. That's reconciliation. We understand what reconciliation is? Okay, Jesus has reconciled you to God. If his salvation was not able to be complete, there couldn't be complete reconciliation. If it was only, look, the salvation that I bought for you is only good unless you sin again, then that wouldn't be reconciliation. But the Bible talks about the fact that we have been reconciled to God, so much so that we become agents of reconciliation. We have a task to go out into the world and to draw other men and women to God himself as those who reconcile. That's one of the tasks that we have been given. Whew. 
Colossians 1 verse 19 says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and that through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Listen, folks, I am forgiven. I'm saying this of myself. I am forgiven and my sin is forgiven once and for all time. It's not sin that causes me a problem. It's actually overcoming temptations and not listening anymore to the voice of the enemy that causes me a problem. That's what causes me a problem on a, on a day-by-day basis. Because sin can still have a grip on us. The enemy is opposed to us. He is the enemy of our souls. The, and he is a liar and he is a deceiver. In fact, the language that he uses is deception and lies all the time. That's what he speaks to you. He says, if you do this, you will feel better. If you go this way, things will be all right. He said to Eve, if you eat this apple, don't worry, you're going to become like God. You will not die. It was a deception and it was a lie. And though she didn't die physically at that moment when she ate it, she did die spiritually, which is exactly why we need to be born again and to start our lives over before God. Jesus died for our sin, past, present and future. By us walking with Jesus Christ daily, we have the ability to say no to sin and to overcome the temptations that come against us that we may live the life that he wants us to live. It is an absolute possibility because Jesus has done everything to make it a possibility for us. No matter how you are feeling or even the confusion that may be coming against you at the moment, you need to know that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who has saved you. That you are more than able to overcome the sins and the temptations that come against you. And I, I don't need to list sins. Whether it be losing your temper, or lying, or cheating or sexual sins and sexual immorality, or sexual thoughts, or looking at things you shouldn't be looking at on TVs or in magazines or on your phone, or the way you act towards other people in unforgiveness, in the lying, in the cheating, in the deception that you may bring, in your business by charging people more than they should be charged, or all sorts of ways. When you're in the shop and you get handed the wrong amount of change and you know they've given you two pounds too much and you say nothing even though you know that, that's stealing and you know you're stealing but everybody does it so it makes it all all right. Do I need to go on and on and uncover the places where we really act? Jesus wants to take us out of that that we may live pure lives. Because the problem with the church is the church has been overcome by the lies and the deception of the enemy that infect our lives and we felt that we don't have the authority, Jesus has given us authority. The thing is, the church has given up the battle of fighting. But the enemy hasn't given up the battle because he wants to take as many people in a numb situation with him. Or he wants to take people in the church, just hold them down to a level. When God has said the church is supposed to be the manifold wisdom of God to the whole nation. It is in the church that God is going to address the powers of darkness through the church. 
We, as the church, are supposed to be the light wherever we go. When we come together, we're supposed to be light. When we go out from this place, we're supposed to be light. In our places of work, in our homes, in our streets, at the shops, wherever we go, we are supposed to be agents of the light so that people can see that there is a life that can be found in Jesus that is real, that overcomes, that has authority, that has reality. Because so many people in your offices, they're living in darkness and they, they know they are, but they don't know the way out. They know that it's futile, really, in going from one relationship to another. There's no fulfillment. There's nothing that really brings you uh, awakening to your soul. There's nothing of vibrancy of life. And they're looking for life. And Jesus came to bring life to people in the church and life to those outside. And as we have that life, and as that life burns within us, and others can see, how do you manage to live like that? How do you manage to overcome in the face of adversity? It's not that adversity is not going to come against us, but it's in the midst of adversity that we may overcome. It's the life of God that he has breathed upon us, that is found through the cross, that needs to enter into the life of every one of us that we may be made alive in God. Guys, you can come back. That's only the first point that we've got to. We want to find our security. Listen, we want to find our security in the fact that we have been saved. Our sin has been forgiven and we have been given authority to overcome temptation and to overcome sin. But we find it difficult to exercise that authority. We, this is, we find it difficult to exercise that authority because we don't bring ourselves under his authority. <coughs> you see, we, we believe in prayer, but we don't practice prayer to the level that is required to overcome the enemy. Because we don't believe we're in a war. Who wants to be at war anyway? I want to be at peace. I want to put my feet up. It's been hard enough last week. Let me just put my feet up and have a rest. The enemy does not listen to that language. He listens to the language of, you are coming no further and you're getting out of my life. And that takes us to take a stand and to speak against him. And we need power and authority. You gain authority through the word of God and through fellowship with him in prayer. There are no shortcuts There are no shortcuts. If anybody thought there were, you have been deceived. And it's not that by reading the Bible that that's it. It is fellowship through the Word of God and fellowship through prayer with God who is alive that His Spirit can come to you and help you overcome the powers of darkness that are arrayed against you. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. He has given you of His Spirit and he has made you an overcomer. But we need to exercise those things. We need to start being able to live for him. And if we had time, that would have been my second point. Finding security in salvation. My sin is forgiven, but it has to come alongside. I am living for God. I am living for God has a look about it. It means to say that other people start to notice there is a change in your life because you are drinking from the living water. 
And if you're not drinking from the living water, then what are you drinking from? Which well are you going to? If you find yourself reading more in the newspapers or on your phone about the things of the world than you are reading the Holy Scriptures to find out the things of God, you are drinking from different wells. And there is a result from that. One will hold you in captivity. The other will bring you into deliverance. Because the Word of God does not lie. He is able to give us victory. He is able to overcome. There is hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ. He is able to do all things. All things. There was the father with the epileptic boy. And the disciples were trying to bring deliverance to the boy. And guess what? It wasn't working. And that's often where we find ourselves in that place. God, I believe you. I know you're able to, but it doesn't seem to be working. Because sometimes it doesn't work because of our level of faith, because of what's going on around us. And the father came to Jesus and explained all of these things. And the father says to Jesus, if you can help us. If you can help us. Which is often where we get to. Jesus, if you can. Jesus says, if? All things are possible for him who believes. All things are possible. And we need to come to Jesus. And we need to surrender our lives to Jesus. And we need to stop fighting battles in our name. We need to fight them in the name of Jesus. We need to take our stand in the name of Jesus because we are more than conquerors through Jesus. It's not about us, but it is about us trusting, having faith in Jesus because when we have faith in him, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors and we can accomplish all things. We're going to just worship here. Let me just say to you, you may be here this morning. You might consider me to be... Right, you might consider me to be, I don't know, a lunatic. All I can say to you is this. Jesus has changed and is changing my life. I am not a, I'm not a finished work by any means. I'm a work in process. But the more I process in this life, the more I find that there is no one like Jesus. There is no power like Jesus. And Jesus wants to make us more than conquerors. People who are living for him where his life is flowing in us. If you don't know this life, if you've never surrendered yourself to this life, if you're still living in the emptiness of what isn't life, and what is the opposite of life, by the way? It is death. If you're living in the emptiness of death, then let me tell you this. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when you can come to Jesus. And you may not understand very much about him at all. But you know what? Jesus offers you this. Forgiveness for all of your sin. Past, present and future. Jesus is offering you life in him and a place in his kingdom forever. That's what's on offer for Jesus. But you know, there's a door to your heart And the handle to open that door is not on the outside, but it's on the inside. And you alone are the one who can make a choice. Will you open the door to Jesus? 
or will you keep the door shut? As we come to sing this song, I want you to think about that because we want everybody to open their hearts to Jesus. And those of us who have said, yes, I've opened my heart to Jesus before, can we just make sure that the door is open and that he is allowed to come in and out as he chooses? Or do we keep closing the door when there's things that are unsavory happening in the house and we don't want him to see? Father, may your presence and your blessing cover our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Kushin Bhavakula Sabbath.